Abun de Boschmaya Nitkadashma Te te malkuta Nehwe sebiana Aikana de Boschmaya Af baraha Hablan lachma de sunkanan yaumana Washbuklan haubain Waktahin Ay Kanadaf Khan Shpokan Habain Ula Dahlan Nesiuna Ela Patsan Min Bisha Amen Our One Absolute Eternal Being of which we are born forth from the realm of the all and the only. I am empty within the awe of your presence and the purity of your name. Empower my creative beingness through your expansion from the ever-present realm as I realize our strength and virtue as one. On the manifest earth as in the unmanifest realm, Provide the nourishment of your insight and realization through me and in every present moment. Release my hidden past as I cancel my past concerns with others. Do not let me lose my true self in forgetfulness, but wholly release me from the errors of my perception. For thy realm is the absolute, the all, and the only and our strength of virtue and magnificence. From cosmic gathering to cosmic gathering, from age to age, may these be the rooted earth from which all of my actions flow. Amen. Holy Spirit within me, living in wholeness, moving in joy and love, I surrender to your will. Bring the radiance of your light into my heart and mind. Merge with me to manifest your will upon the earth. Make me a conduit of your infinite knowledge. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the God-Led Mystics Podcast. I am your guide and host, Reverend Rose, here to offer you another episode this week with my wonderful friend, Deborah of La Mer Soul Crafts. Um, my intention, honestly, when I asked Deborah to come record with me, was to just rant and rave about spiritual hijacking, spiritual warfare, and to talk about the ways that people um, get attacked or are so porous that they allow in energies that are less than divine. We talk about dragons and reptilians and all sorts of other things, and I'm so sorry about the end of this podcast. Um, we, I had a really weird event where a man just began knocking feverishly on my door, and I had to kind of wrap us up really quickly because he was not leaving, um, and uh, we ended up having a part two to this episode. So I hope you enjoy today's spiritual rant and 
um, please ignore the <laughs> less than perfect ending on today's episode. Without further ado, here is our episode. Enjoy. Mm, welcome back, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Oh, it's my pleasure. I feel like we have good conversations all day long, so it's good for us to have these convos. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we're constantly talking, and half of the time we're like, we should make a podcast of this, of this, of this, so now we are here. <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. Um, I would love if you would introduce yourself again. There's probably new listeners here, and of course, answer the million-dollar question. What does God mean to you? God. Uh, I can't even remember what I said last time, so I'm just going to say what is That's fine. popping in right now. God is everything and nothing at the same time. God is you. God is me. God is this cat on my lap. God is this cup of tea that I have in front of me. And God is everything that I'm saying right now and everything that exists. Amen. Okay. That was it. <laughs> and who are you? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I am all kinds of stuff. I'm going to start off by my new name from now on is I'm a Gnostic dragon summoning nun. That is what I am. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that I am passionate about the Christ teachings, the mystical Christ teachings. I'm passionate about the Essene Mystery School uh, that Jesus was a member of, Yeshua. I'm passionate about connecting people with their past lives, with their Akashic records, their higher self, their soul history, their traumas that they may carry in their soul that they can solve by looking at their soul history and I work with the Violet Flame and Saint Germain and some other Ascended Masters. And yeah, and I am a painter and I paint things that I see in the Akashic Records for people. I think that's about, I think that's about it. Uh, woman of many frequencies. Say that again, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> a woman of many frequencies. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That is true, I guess. <laughs> That is true. Yes. I like mm -hmm. I like the Gnostic dragon summoning nun. Yes, that is my new name. I'm going to put that on my website from now on. <laughs> and people wonder, like, what, what do the dragons have to do with Gnostic teachings? But I'm working yeah, on this book. A million dollar I'm working question. on a book and a bunch of things that are coming through about dragons that a lot of people don't know. Because they think, oh, yeah, um, the Christian church, the Roman Christian church talks about uh, these these legends of slaying the dragon, the knights right. that have to slay the dragon in the name of God. And mm -hmm. the thing is, they changed this whole story. And right. the dragons were originally the protectors of Christ consciousness of the heart chakra of the planet Avalon. And the dragon consciousness was after Atlantis fell uh, at its peak in Avalon. 
And this is where the first, of course, you know this, and many people listening that are aware of the Gnostic Gospels, of the scriptures, of the uh, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene, they will know that it was Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary who founded the first Christian churches in Europe, in France and in England. And of course, then the Romans hijacked the whole religion, basically, and turned Yeshua ben Joseph into Jesus Christ, their figure. And Such a weird name. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, and I feel too, anyway, I, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, these dragons. So I've seen in the Akashic <laughs> records how dragons were very much still present. And of course, I have this theory as well about dinosaurs being dragons, but mm -hmm. like yeah, a T-Rex, like what is that thing with the tiny arms, a T-Rex? It's ridiculous. It's a dragon. <laughs> It's it's not it's, it's winged. So okay. Yeah. Um, and I've seen how the there was a spiritual knighthood in Atlantis that represented Christ consciousness, and right. the cabal basically that made Atlantis fall later got recycled into the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. and yeah. then this knighthood this dragon knighthood basically of atlantis turned into a few different branches over the world divided over the world and one of those branches was avalon and mm. europe and a few different places and there was still this spiritual knighthood that worked with true christ consciousness with the dragon energies and they worked with all the different mystery schools all over the world and of course, in the East, you did not have the Christian church. You did not have the Pope. So why are dragons respected in the East? They are looked upon as very wise creatures. And in the West, they are demonized. It is no coincidence that that is exactly the place where Roman Catholicism took a rise and, 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 and like rose to popularity. Those two are connected. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's my little dragon rant for today. <laughs> okay. Dragon rants are necessary. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, I, I think you know the story of, you know, one time, well, I'm working on a project called Sovereign Birth Ministry. It, of course, it's going to be its own podcast. And what I'm really drawn to in this work is women who've, who express that they heard a call from God to free birth their child and to bring, you know, their child into this world in sovereignty. And I believe that is exactly what I heard. Um, and for a long time, I never identified or organized or structured my relationship to God under any umbrella. Um, and I, I guess I would consider myself a Gnostic comedic none <laughs> really actually the word i would use is priestess but <clears throat> yeah um i reached out to a woman one time who shared her birth story 
And uh, she told, you know, she, she shared the story that God called her to tell her to free birth her child. And, you know, she, she spent her pregnancy in devotion to spiritualism and, and, you know, prayer and meditation and really living that. And when I, I asked her if I could interview her and when I sent her my interview link, she blocked me. <laughs> Why? Because uh, my interview link is a rainbow dragon. <laughs> and why is why why she did was she a block? Christian? Oh. So <laughs> I didn't put the, the two and two together at first because I when when I sent her the message, I was like, oh that's a rainbow dragon. Oh she's a Christian. Oh, she's gonna think I'm being led by the devil, and then instantly she blocked me. Oh, <laughs> uh. and I. So the whole point of the story is just kind of the irony of this dragon matrix that we are really connected to, because of course, you know, in Christianity and Catholicism, um, the dragon is evil. You know, it says. Um, in revelations right that basically the devil is a dragon and that that's how we will see him um and of course i never believed that my whole life but i always lived in a rich fantastical place of mermaids and dragons and fairies mm -hmm. as a small child um even though i was you know raised in a christian uh education system um, it never mattered to me. And, you know, as I grew into my adulthood, it just felt like dragons were so present. So, of course, dragons have been with me, like, my whole life. Um, and in the Reiki tradition, for those of you who are attuned uh, to level two, may or may not know, because I've actually discovered that most traditions or lineages don't talk about it but in level two there is a symbol that is the dragon um and this dragon has been such a deep ally for me in my life that i've just always re re you know leaned back into my dragon in that way so it's kind of funny because of course like working with that symbol and really exploring the uses of that symbol have taught me so much so for those who are listening, who are Reiki attuned, this symbol is, um, you know, it's considered like your protector of the subconscious mind. That's kind of how I got attuned to this dragon wisdom. But ultimately, of course, this symbol is designed to protect yourself and everything that you do. So I actually spent, I would say, like all of 2020 in devotion to the dragons and learning from a Reiki way, you know, what these dragons do. And the one thing that I feel really came through with the dragons is their protection and their guardianship. Um, because I could, you know, put the dragon in front of me and ask the dragon to screen everything and anything that was in my field and things would disappear. So um, one time uh, my aunt was selling, or the house that my aunt was living in was being sold. And at the time we were staying there, 
and I, they were doing like open houses all the time. And so I would ask the dragon to protect the house. And if the person that was looking to come in had malicious intent or like a prominent signature of evilness, I don't know why I said this prayer, but I asked the dragon to not allow them in. And from the outside, that story sounds really crazy because how can you ask Reiki symbols to do this? But what happened was is that the lock that was designed, you know, to put in a key code and then the key would come out and you could enter the house. That lock malfunctioned. She couldn't get in. (laughs) And I thought that was the funniest story. I guess for so, for it would sound crazy to anybody but me. <laughs> right. Well, I can totally see how that would happen. Yeah, so you know, these stories kind of informed my relationship to the dragons because I saw how realistic they were when I asked them for something. And even another time, um, you know, I I don't I had gotten into kind of like um not a quarrel, but me and this girl were disagreeing on something and I didn't really want to entertain the conversation anymore, but I also didn't want to be rude. (laughs) So I instantly asked like my dragon, you know, like, Hey, can you come clear the field and then move us apart? And in that moment she was, she looked at me and she like, she had this funny look on her face and she said, I think I forgot something in the back of the building. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. But that is how powerful they are. Right. We have a very direct energy. And Mm -hmm. the first time that my dragon came to me, I think you may have already heard the story, but I'm going to tell it because it's like one of my favorite stories. I was living in a trailer in the middle of the desert and I'm, I was uh, in the middle of a separation, going through a separation. Um, I just left an abusive marriage, was kind of just falling apart. And I mm-hmm. found Beth, a mentor that both of us worked with, Beth Catherine. And um, I started working with Archangel Michael. And I'm sitting on my bed and suddenly I'm meditating. There's wings wrapped around me and there's like tingling all over my body and I'm feeling warmth from like a being that like body warmth like somebody has his wings wrapped and I see these dark blue wings and I'm hearing hi my name is Aurelius I am your dragon and I'm Mm -hmm. here to protect you and guide you through this transformation this crazy few months that I had ahead of me And now I still work with him and he's one of my main guides. And each time there's some weird stuff going on, like, like you said, like you have a weird feeling about somebody or there's a weird situation or like this past weekend, I had a a client that, that acted a little bit, uh, strange, like in a way that was not very appropriate. And I sent my dragon to solve it and it got handled. And people think, oh, yeah, well, is it that easy? Yes, it is, because we have all this help. We have a bunch (laughs) of of guides that want to assist us. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's so important that we remember that because so many people on this planet are like addicted to struggle and so they don't they don't realize how well resourced they actually are in their life and that causes them you know great pain um and i don't mean to laugh but it can be so simple as to just remember that we are taken care of um my dragons have been so excellent to me. That was another form of working with them. It's so funny. Here's another funny dragon story. It sounds so mundane, but um, it's, I mean, they're, the magic is always in the mundane, right? So when I was living in Monterey with my partner, our RJ, of course, um, we did DoorDash for fun just because I was bored one day, basically, and I wanted to. Um, I was like convinced that we either had to start living on a budget <laughs> to go to the grocery store or we needed to make more money. So I decided to do DoorDash just for fun, basically, and to see what happened. And every time we would start our shift, because we did it together, he would drive, I would jump out, it was the best. It was so much fun. Um, I would always ask my dragon to guide every order. And of course, because dragons can bring us into treasure. This, this is how I got accustomed to the wealth dragons. <laughs> yeah. But um, I would ask the dragon to guide every order and to, you know, tell me which ones to take. The, the days that I would do that, which were probably 95% of the time, we would make like $300 in a few three or four hour shift and we would get tips like $50 tips it was crazy yeah <laughs> and that's so much fun and that like began to show me just how like multifaceted the dragons were because not only could it protect us but it could also um guide us into uh, the amount of money that we desired or the clients that we needed to work with or, you know, the orders that we needed to bless. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was so great. I just, it's so funny because I often ask this question, like, am I dragon enough? And then I remember that the temple is the Dragon Rose Temple. <laughs> yeah. And then I did your Akashic Records reading, and I saw that you basically were in charge of matching baby dragons with people. That was your responsibility. So if anybody can do this, then it is you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but yeah, The dragons, they are extremely, like, talented at all kinds of stuff. Because they mm -hmm. started coming through in my Violet Flame healing sessions, and all of a sudden... They were like, yep, from now on, these are going to become Violet Flame Dragon Healing Sessions. I'm like, what? I, I didn't know about that. Yep, well, now you are informed about this slight shift in your services. So right. let's get started. And they've been really good. They've been really successful. People like them and they're effective. And yeah, they mm -hmm. love helping in any way that they can. I feel the dragons. Yeah, well, the dragons are really like related to the subconscious mind and illuminating everything within there that is troubling mm -hmm. someone. And 
um, they're really good navigators of uh, cleaning out. So yeah, I could see how they would want to participate with you in your dragon flame sessions because they're just so powerful in that way. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some reptilian stuff. Oh man. And how and how these dragons can also <laughs> help us with that stuff. Because a lot of people I feel they I got a question on Instagram too. Somebody asked are the reptilians connected to the dragons? And again, I think you just explained that very well, that because the Christian church, the Catholic church, portrayed them as demonic serpent beings, um, snake reptile type of beings, and it's all hypnosis. It's all programming of the subconscious mind, when for centuries somebody of authority has been telling the people that it is wrong to um, listen to Satan, basically the, the devil. And he's been portrayed constantly, constantly as a serpent type of being, a dragon type of being, then people are going to be suspicious and they're going to say, oh, but reptile reptilians or the things that you hear in like the starseed community, you hear all oh, reptilians, um, all this stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. They are, are they the same as dragons? But they are not the same. From what I've seen, the dragons come originally from the angelic realm. They're an aspect of the angelic realm. And mm -hmm. well, in essence, when we all go back to source, then, then we're all part of source, of course. But when you look at reptilians, they are so detached from source that they have actually forgotten that they are always connected and they need to feed off of other people that are still connected to source. That is the big difference, I feel. Yeah. You know, I've kind of been, I don't feel like I know enough about them sometimes only because like as you're saying that I'm wondering if they are maybe even a byproduct or an egregore of sorts that are less related to um, the star nations and more related to the you know collective shadow or even um, the ancestral shadow that's on this planet because it definitely feels like there is you know, an ancestry of sorts that exist that have been dedicated to dismantling the sacred teachings of um, the Christ. And so I'm kind of just talking here uh, because <clears throat> I guess like, you know, I've worked so deeply with entity attachment and um, exorcists type of stuff. And I also know very little about the actual study of what we might call demonology. Mostly because I think that if I learn their names, it gives them power. <laughs> but also because it doesn't matter to me. It's not a study I actually care for in a way. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it probably would help, but um, it's actually not like, it's not something that I 
care to give any energy to. So I'm kind of rambling. If you want to respond, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, but I kind of feel the same. I feel the same because you can ask me about angelology and you can ask me about what's the different angels that exist hierarchies what what books do they are they named in like where can i find information on them fine i'll give you a whole list you can go find about find out about angels in the book of enoch the tanakh you can go find it in the quran you can go find it in the bible you can find but don't ask me about demons because i don't like them yeah right <laughs> yeah i don't like i've never really been like, oh, I need to know about them. I need to know. It's more of a feeling thing. Like, I have always been able to feel from the moment that I was little, basically, when something was attached to somebody, when it was not somebody, their yeah. own self, when there was, a, like, some kind of overlay. It almost feels like an, an overlay of a different energy that is trying to eat or like live off of this other person and yeah. then when you meet them you can feel it and it feels it feels sticky if you like right. are used to what your energy feels like and the example for instance of this this client that i uh was talking about earlier the example with the email stuff uh, when I first saw this person, I immediately had a weird feeling like there's something, there's like two different things going on here. So I immediately called on my dragon and kept my distance energetically. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people walking around <clears throat> every day that are not aware of the fact that they are a part of God consciousness and they're not claiming their God connection. Right. And by not doing that, they are basically saying whatever, what anything that wants to just do its thing, you can go ahead because I'm not claiming myself as God, yeah. is what I feel. Yeah, yeah, it kind of takes me down a little bit of a spiral because there's like so many different forms of entities and things that can feed upon people so we have spirits right like disembodied spirits we have um <laughs> i oh i guess we would just call i would call them like low level entities these are kind of like what might be called ghouls i'm not sure and then we have um we have like higher level entities which would be kind of like the bigger thing that might be called a demon yeah and in that there's also internal like psychic attacks that can happen um based on other people's imprints and overlays of the entities and attachments that are there with them and it feels like like I said it's kind of like a spiral because there are so many things and there can also be you know, things that are like interrelated to each other, right? Because people can send psychic attacks. Um, people can uh, receive entity attachments through other people. Um, and then, of course, people can be attached to entities overall. Um, and this work has been so fascinating for me because 
I never chose it. Like, it's not like I woke up one morning and decided to slay demons. Instead, they've always come to me to be cleared, which is really weird. Um, and maybe that's not the right word, but it's fascinating because we talk a lot about reptilians and I'm not discrediting, discrediting the reptilians at all, but it's so nuanced. There's like overlay on overlay that are connected to these, you know, different entities. And I know you and I really drew close on this subject because I, um, I worked with a woman who had a, what we would call a reptilian attachment or an entity attachment that was really dedicated to suppressing her God essence. And every time she would go through an initiation, the, the entity would attack. But what happened was it went from like one reptilian type of entity into these like little tiny entities that had their own little what we might call a spaceship um and would start you know attacking her that way so she would be surrounded by like this tiny army so crazy to talk about um and when I started working with her and learning all of this stuff, I then was able to see how interrelated that is to like everything else. Um, and I really, you know, got this, well, this is multi-layered, but in the most recent past, I've seen this happen most often with the sat satanic ritual abuse of women in hospitals and birthing women really um and even just the relationship that we have to the womb um that has been hijacked by this satanic or reptilian or mm -hmm. insert your uh word here and it's been very revealing to me how the womb gets utilized in birthing these entities deepest desires and oh my god it's like it's like the best breeding ground for them especially in the satanic rituals that happen in the hospital some people might call me extreme for saying it like that but i can't unsee the humiliation and the abuse tactics that happen on women um you know like i said i'm working on this project called sovereign birth ministry and i just keep coming back to this idea that women shouldn't have to say no women shouldn't have to advocate that for themselves in um, the conception the pregnancy or the birth of their babies or even the first you know year of their baby's lives and I just can't unsee the way that we're giving birth to traumatized people that have no um they have no I shouldn't say no they have little relationship to the actual God frequency that is birth when they come into this world. So we have all these people that are already walking in fragmented and totally open and available to be hijacked by mm -hmm. anything that's wandering around. 
you're not extreme for saying that you're you're not extreme because it shows the global manipulation this has been ongoing since the middle ages when women midwives i was a midwife in a past life then i was dragged out of my place where i lived uh together with a friend of mine we were both midwives and we were stoned to death for being a midwife and i saw that after i had nora so i um had nora she was a couple months old and then i saw that whole lifetime about being stoned to death for being a midwife and this was when i was studying to become uh, a birth doula a hypnobirthing doula so i actually was going to do that i had all the books i had everything um and and i'm like okay wow this is interesting cuz i knew also like i was one of these people that was like oh i don't ever want to have a baby it's going to hurt i'm never going to have children and then i got pregnant same and then i got pregnant <laughs> and then there was this voice and it probably was the voice of god of mother father god saying you're never going to have this baby in a hospital and i got terrified and i didn't know why cuz i was like 2 months pregnant and like oh my god i have to find another way to have this baby i cannot go to a hospital so i started just researching and before i knew it i found the most amazing midwife and i found out about hypnobirthing and i'm like oh my god what is this this is amazing i'm going to do this and it was the best experience ever and i'm really happy that i did that and it is really terrible that women in general don't know about their options they don't right. know nobody tells them any of this yeah yeah it's so fascinating to me that we default to birthing in the hospital and that's not even the norm that's only become the norm in the last 90 years so in 90 years we have conditioned people to satanic abuse like i'm and i know maybe that sounds crazy or extreme but like women are legitimately raped abused tortured and um subjugated to humiliation mm-hmm. in the hospital setting and i i think that is totally reflective of the psychic war the invisible war that we don't even see happening in front of us i think that's why it's so hard for people to see the energetic attachments and you know this like reptilian frequency that we're talking about overlaying 90% of stuff it's like doja cat i think i'm saying yeah. her name right you know she just came out with her new video and where she's basically telling you like the agenda that she's part of and people are like oh it's just it's her being creative it's like you don't understand these rituals mm-hmm. the the law of free will basically sets the foundation where people have to give permission to the you know the birth of certain realities or certain states of being and so these rituals and these symbols and this knowing happens on a global scale but people just think that we're being crazy or like yeah you know aren't taught the symbolism of even when a certain flag like there are you know laws and rules here in the United States about 
what can be on screen when the president is there. And so people don't realize if there's a flag that's next to another flag, what that means, or if the flag is upside down, what that means. This is all covert symbolism to get the subconscious mind to agree to what's happening. And so that's, you know, kind of like the basis of everything that I've been doing in my work <laughs> when it comes to attachments is trying to teach people how to read what's in front of them symbolically and energetically, because ultimately all of this stuff has to be agreed to. Um, that's part of, you know, the the media that we're putting out there, like, like Doja Cat is just a really prominent example, but um, I'm thinking of, you know, different movies that come out and then we see like in real time how that is playing out in our life. And that's what we might call, right, predictive programming. That's the reptilian brain. That's the part of our brain that just goes onto autopilot and, you know, um, just says, okay, we're doing this kind of like in birth that the reptilian brain is the one that gets activated when we go into the birthing sensation, when we go into the actual act yeah. of birth, it's like you completely drop out of any consciousness and you're completely submerged in the deep waters of your primordial self. So, you know, when I think about like the reptilians and these like negative attachments, I, I, First of all, I want to say I kind of feel bad because I feel like there are reptilian versions that are like totally wonderful essences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've met some of them. Yeah. And then I, second I'm going to I'm going to save that for in a little bit. Yes, continue. <laughs> and so secondly, I just want to say that I feel like we've completely skewed the actual frequency of what the reptilians are and so uh, like that's kind of why i've been wondering like is this actually an egregore now is this the reptilian name even appropriate for what we are actually experiencing yeah um, and of course those questions might not be answered anytime but this has kind of just been what i've been like navigating in my own heart recently because i've just been working with so many different forms of energy attachments and energetic removals. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, because I what I like using personally is the term negatively polarized beings. And I wrote a little bit about that in the first chapter of my second story of the angels and dragons and other things book that I'm writing. It's a little book. Um, and it talks about negatively polarized beings and positively polarized beings so what's the difference you have the law of attraction everybody knows oh yeah the law of attraction you attract like positive stuff attracts other or like you attract what you are um emitting basically mm -hmm. but there's also an opposite inverted law of attraction because that only works when you are connected to source then you're right. going to connect to something else that's connected to source. And it's like two magnets. The same is going to pull more of the same. So everybody knows if you're in gratitude, you're going to attract more abundance. And mm -hmm. then people are wondering, but then how come that, for instance, um, a lot of these, let's call them negatively polarized 
authority figures that are now kind of ruling the world, that have systems in place that are running the world, how come they are so successful at everything when they are negatively polarized? And wouldn't you think if they're full of resentment, greed, anger, bitter, whatever, that they're going to attract more of that? No, because they are detached from source. They are in an inverted vortex of negatively polarized mm -hmm. energy, which means that they are going to attract the same of that because they don't have a connection to source. And that is how that works. So right. I do like the term negatively polarized beings because reptilians, in essence, were not negative. Because I've right. actually done uh, Akashic Records readings for mm -hmm. people that have very strong reptilian energy. Mm -hmm. And I have an example about that. There was one person about a year and a half ago. And um, a, like a week before she was scheduled for her reading, she emails me and she panics. And she says, I want to cancel the reading. I don't want to do it. And it was the reptilian part of her that panicked. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, hmm, that's weird. I did her reading and immediately felt this reptilian energy. But she had done all kinds of stuff in Atlantis that was really bad. And she came here to make it right. And mm -hmm. so now she was here with this very strong healer energy. Because reptilians, when they are positively polarized, can be some of the strongest healers of the galaxy. They can be very centered with their healing, very grounding with their healing energy. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. I think a lot of them are also here to make the choice to choose to be positively polarized. And this is the ascension process for all of us. And I do believe that some of these reptilians can now choose to be positive. Right. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, just kind of crazy. Very, uh... It's so crazy because I've seen one psychic attack happen really often. And two, also, like, the people that you're talking about, you know, these, like, negative um, family bloodlines, they all look hollow and sick. You can see it in their face, but people have not been taught how to read energy, I feel like. And so, you know, when you look into their eyes, or even when you see pictures of them, you can see that, like, their jaunt, I guess, might be the word, or they just look sick. It looks yeah. like there's a sickness around them. But recently, I did an entity removal for a girl who was working with another girl who had an overarching demon that was working through her really crazy story and she did not look sick because she's working with like high levels of magic for glamour um, and trying to keep that appearance up I guess the you know the one one good example of that is um the red woman in game of thrones i don't know if you've seen it oh but yeah um, you know she's like actually like a hundred and whatever years old and like yeah yeah she's wearing a glamour spell basically um and oftentimes i think people think that these types of magic are fake they're only portrayed in fantasy but they actually exist here 
Um, and so the woman that is that has this demon working through her, and she is a quote unquote spiritual practitioner. There's that funny meme like that says spiritual practitioner. Demons are spirits too. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time because it's true. Are we divinely inspired or are we demonically inspired? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the point is, is that she's actually like a high level um, spiritual teacher. Uh, and I say high level because she has a pretty good reach and a lot of students that are working under her, which then are all, you know, related into this entity. Anyway. Um, the point of all of this is that I worked with this girl, you know, recently doing this entity removal and it's crazy just how powerful and how strong and how deep these entities really run. Um, and just, so the fascinating thing about doing entity removal and something that I tell people often when I'm doing this work is that I can remove it, but it will come back based on your actions, your thoughts, and your behaviors. Yeah. And sometimes people don't get that. It's very frustrating for me. It's like the one reason why I don't advertise these services in a way. <laughs> Not they because they can quick fix. Yeah, and it's not, like, it's not by any means. I have done quick fixes for people, like I did a candle for a girl once who was under psychic attack. But then, you know, I'm by spirit, I'm given a regiment for them that what they have to do now to keep their defenses Mm -hmm. up until their energy is, you know, back within them. And, uh, yeah, I unfortunately feel like there is a, a deep, problem with discipline on entity removal and you know these entities are here and sucking the life force out of people because people are not willing to actually do the work that you know has that is necessary for this to be done and maybe that's kind of a pessimistic view I should probably shift that but um (laughs) the people I work with are doing the work but um I feel like out in the world, you know, people, you know, need to spend more time in deep reflection as to how to keep these entities at bay because they're so easily brought in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about being aware of what you surround yourself with, too, I feel, because I had a woman that I did mentorship with. She came to me. And she said, I used to be so psychic. I used to see all kinds of stuff in meditation. And then she went and did a meditation retreat with a person, um, a woman. And that she felt weird about this lady to begin with. And then she started doing meditations um, in her way, like the way that this lady said, you have to meditate like this and follow this protocol, whatever. And she said, but I do it my way and I have results. I see images, all this stuff. And this lady is like, well, no, you're not. You're going to do it my way here and all this. She did it. And suddenly she lost her connection. So she basically couldn't see. She couldn't get any information. She felt like she had been cut off from her higher self. And she said, can you help me? And I worked with her for a month. And um, what came out was that she 
was actually a golden avian starseed. And not a lot of people know about the golden avians. They know about blue avians and all that stuff. But the golden avians, they come from another universe. And they are super psychic, naturally psychically gifted people. And I said, there's no way that you cannot see we're going to get your sight back. There's no way that, that that's not going to happen. After this month, you're going to see everything again. And I gave her angelic clearing statements, called upon a few archangels to help clear this. Listen to this every day. You listen to this for a month. And I think that's what people need to do when they want to make shifts in their energy. Like you can listen to, I don't know, uh, random music on the radio all day long and not be aware of the frequencies that are in it and not be aware of the fact that they're satanic. Uh, intentions behind a lot of the music and they don't they're like oh you're exaggerating oh you, you've been listening to Alex Jones blah 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 no this is going on this has been going on um, I think in the 50s it mm -hmm. is that they changed the frequency of modern music from 432 I believe hertz to 440 it is a slight shift that you will not hear with the with the just your your hearing. You won't hear it unless you are schooled in music and reading music and hearing tones and stuff. But most people aren't going to be aware of that. But your energy body is going to be aware of that. So that's why when I make these things, um, I try to really pay attention to that. And you can really like certain um instruments like singing bowls and things like that they naturally have that frequency so mm -hmm. or mantras like tibetan mantras and things like that when you listen to these things you basically are going to scare off any demons scare off mm -hmm. they're not gonna like being in that energy they don't like that so when you have stuff like that playing in your house they're not going to like that stuff. So if you get up in the morning, you listen to stuff like that and you pray and uh, you are conscious about, okay, what is it that I'm surrounding myself with? Then you're going to become the boss of your own energy again. And that's right. probably what the majority of people lack. Like, and it, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it takes discipline, but it's just a shift in, in awareness. And right. how healthy do you want to be emotionally, energetically, spiritually? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And especially like even having a simple practice, like I call it simple, but like mantra or even the rosary. Um, I often sing the rosary around the house mm -hmm. <laughs> for better or for worse. Um, but it's so simple because, you know, using those words and claiming those frequencies, and especially if you're using sounds like Aramaic or Hebrew yeah. or Sanskrit, um, you know, you're really invoking a higher level frequency. And what you said is very true. Um, the sound bowls, especially, I feel like entities hate ringing. They, it, they're there's something about it and it's so funny because of course my, RJ and I have a joke right um 
Oh man, one time I played the sound bowls in his parents' house. We were down visiting for some time and I had a client that I needed to see and I played the sound bowl <laughs> and his stepdad said that he was going crazy in the house. Yeah. So we we had that we had a long running joke about how there was something inside of him that needed to be cleared mm-hmm. and was just holding on. <laughs> Yeah, but that is true because um, you know this, but uh, some other, some of the people, most of the people listening won't. My daughter, uh, she used to hate the Hebrew version of the Hail Mary, which is super high frequency to listen to. And she would have, of course, children are children and they have typical childlike behavior, but she would get tantrums that were not... Uh, acceptable anymore let's put it that way and I said this is not okay there's something happening and then we we talked to you and then we started playing the Hebrew um, Hail Mary which I was studying at the time I was studying it and um, she just couldn't stand it and she hated the sound Mm -hmm. of it and then once we got rid of that attachment thing, which was not an attachment in itself, it was like a tentacle because I saw it. It was something that was holding on through her ancestral lineage that had a tentacle, an arm basically, that was attached to her. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to remove it in a variety of different ways by by tricking her and placing a selenite under her mattress and and all kinds of other things that I, I did. And she loved the Hebrew... Uh, Hail Mary. After that thing um, was detached from her, she she now has it on her phone. She listens to it every day on her own. She asked for me to send it to her phone so that she has it so that she can listen to it. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's definitely people that get irritated or anxious from high frequency music. It's because it's this attachment that is getting very uncomfortable. Yeah, and also, like I stated before, sometimes there can be an internal psychic attack. Sometimes it's not even like, you know, here's this entity that's attached to you. Sometimes it's your own demon, like that's existing inside of you, which is something that it totally exists. Um, I think that that is more common on like a day-to-day level for a lot of people than like the attachment that like we're kind of talking about. Um, Demons can definitely attach to people all the time, but psychic attack, internal psychic attack is something that I feel is most prominent when it comes to this type of um, thing that we're talking about. Uh, And a lot of people ring those types of uh internal dialogue all day long like I think a lot about you know people who um and the church did such an effective job at creating like a psychic schism inside of people uh, because of course I've worked with people who are still deconstructing the stories that the churches have told them about Mm -hmm. what is appropriate and what is not appropriate or like what is godly and what is not godly right so there's a lot of people who are still listening to this whisper in the back of their mind that says um they're a deceiver they don't you know 
about their spirit guides or whatever um, and then are constantly in this space of psychic attack within themselves it wears you down from the inside out and sometimes that can even be resistant to the frequencies that we are working with when we are doing like the Hail Mary um, or um, any of like the sacred chanting and it's so funny because sometimes um and I actually discovered this the other day. Uh, so, you know, I'm hosting the Sophia Code Book Club right now. And I'm reading the activations to everyone live. And we're doing the activation together. And with the Mary Magdalene chapter, I had such a hard time. Like, I couldn't stop coughing. I had to, like, put, keep muting myself and, like, literally, like, choking on something inside of me and getting all this phlegm out. Sorry if this is TMI, anyone who's listening. (laughs) Um, But I was like snorting all this phlegm out and spitting it out and coughing and like feeling like I was dying through the whole thing. And when it was over, I was like, damn. (laughs) You needed to release some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever was inside of me that was deeply resisting my angelic nature has now been experienced because of course her, um, you know, her activation is about our inner angels and recognizing our inner angelic self. Um, And, uh, you know, now that I'm talking about it out loud, I can say that angels have been my hardest connection. I have not really ever felt like related to an angel, if that makes sense. And so it totally makes sense that I would begin to um, resist that part of myself. And now all of a sudden I'm like, I need to do more angel work. (laughs) Yeah. I actually took a bath last night with a guardian angel candle. (laughs) Uh Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, a lot of people have this internal resistance against their inner angelic nature. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of blasted into it by Archangel Michael, who appeared in my bedroom when I was 15 and mm-hmm. kind of just morphed through me. And and I felt this entire angelic energy moving through me. And I was just laying in bed with tears in my eyes at age 15, like, this angel energy and i'm like oh my god what was that and um yeah but i feel that in essence we are all angelic we are here playing in the like this this arena that god created for us to play around in and that we have to remember that we are angelic in nature and that we are God in nature. And a lot of people have a tough time accepting accepting that. And what happened with me, I had a near-death experience. And in that near-death experience, I was taken up to the seraphim realm, like the first layer, if you want to call it that, of angelic beings closest to source energy. And they showed me, like, this is your true nature. You are a seraphim angel. Um, This is where you originally come from. And I came back from that near-death experience. And for weeks, I had this deep sense of guilt. 
because I remembered a bunch of past lives. And I was like, because I felt still, because it was so vivid, that that experience, that near-death experience, being in that purity, it, like pure God energy, this pure frequency. And it right. was not long, because a near-death experience is like not that long. But um, it felt like like years and years and years. And all of a sudden, I was confronted with my imperfection of I killed people in past lives. I've betrayed people. I have lied to people. I have mm -hmm. done this. I have done that. I have forgotten who I was, all this stuff. And then I had this guilt of like, oh, my God, how could I forget that this is who I really am? What have I done? And a mm -hmm. lot of people, it's easier to accept, oh, I could never be that pure. I could never be that innocent. I could never be that good because I don't deserve it. So it's easier to say I'm not that. That's not yeah. me. Well, it's also, you know, like the church has done such a great job at hijacking the teachings of Yeshua, who was teaching us, you know, that we are God. And that yes. we are divine in nature and that there is no separation. The church really came in and created a space of separation between, um, you know, God and divinity. And it's so interesting because, you know, they've created a whole, like, subset of standards and rules about, you know, how to access God or what even God is. But it seems like the basis of all of that is that you are evil by nature. Mm -hmm. And um, so therefore, you could never be God. You are the daughter of Adam and Eve. You are the ancestry and the byproduct of disobeying God. So therefore, you know, I'm going to berate you with all this terrible ideas and tell you how to reach God. But that God is actually outside of you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that has single-handedly created such a massive schism to understanding that the impulses that we have are pure. And that even if there are what we might call negative impulses, they come from a deeper subset part of ourself that's asking for the love and the compassion and the grace of our own divinity and so if we don't learn to look at those like negative impulses and realize that there's a part of us that's acting out and we have to excavate then those negative impulses become you know what we have called the psychic attack it's like you know all of a sudden now we've accepted part of that as part of who we are and da, 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 da. it's just so fascinating to me because um if we remember that we are god and god is us and the only separation that we have is the one that we create by nature mm -hmm. then we don't need anyone or anything and not like in the way that we don't need friends or community, but that there's no one above us. There's yeah. no one person that has the answers or uh -huh. um, the source or the this or the that. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of think like that's kind of the basis of how we've gotten into all these problems in a way, um, other than the nefarious agenda that wants us 
wants our energy for their domination and control, but we've accepted it in a way. We, you know, have agreed to it in a, in a form of thought. One of our teachers says, you know, tell the truth, even if it kills you. And I do my best to live by that mostly because I'm unafraid, but also because that's what's gotten us here in a lot of ways is that fear of speaking up and being truthful and calling things out. Oh my God, it's terrifying to say things like, I think that the name Jesus is a hijacked name. Yeah, yeah. It is. But it's also and, my truth. That's why I call him Yeshua. Yeah. But that's the thing. And that's why I, I wrote about that too um, in my latest newsletter. And I tagged you in it. And because I'm like, yeah, because more people need to realize when they're doing that, they yeah. are not sending energy to the actual being that was Yeshua ben Joseph. They're sending energy to a fake being that the Roman church because i'm not going to call it christian church it's the roman catholic church they they right. installed this fictional figure that is basically harvesting energy for them but like mm -hmm. back to to um the god within you in aramaic there is a word and it's the kingdom of god and it's in aramaic it is malkuta the shemaya and it is it means the kingdom of god within you it's in you the Shemaya part is God, which is feminine, by the way. That word is actually a feminine word. So it's the queendom of the goddess. Basically, the creation is, is female. And it's within you. And you find it within yourself. And if you have God within you, then why are you going to listen to a priest? Why are you going to go to a building and pray and hope to find God when the kingdom of God is already within you? That is what Jesus was telling everybody. Of course, mm -hmm. if you would tell that to a person that is um, going to church, that is religious, they are going to say, wow, that is very selfish, egocentric. How can you say that you are not very devoted to God? How are you showing your devotion like to yourself, to yourself? And of course, you can be a selfish person. You can be a hedonistic, selfish person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying take care of the, the body that you are in. This is your vessel that you are going to celebrate God with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these internal urges, when they are, when they fill your body with joy, are urges from your divine spark seeking to explore its divine facets and origins. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that people give themselves permission enough to really explore what they deeply desire um, or, uh, you know, they don't feel permissible in what they desire. I had a friend one time tell me that she wanted to be like, she wanted to basically have like a Trump tower, um, but for healing, like she wanted to be like the, um, you know, the savant. I don't know if I'm using that in the right way, uh, that word in the right way, but she wanted to be like the, um, you know, rich, spiritual healer who has 
hotels and towers and things named after her. And when she, when she first told me that I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what, if that's her dream, good for her. Like I want her to claim her dream if that's what she wants and she's making a positive impact on people, everyone that she touches and she gets her towers and her hotels and her thises and her thats. Fuck it. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah, because if God is love and God provides all abundance and you want that to better your own life so that you can then better the lives of many other people and that's going to make you happy right then why not then if it's not affecting me and and like then what what is it within me maybe that is resisting that right i guess Mm -hmm. is what i would then go and ask myself yeah all very interesting what i did you know, I really utilized that moment to look at where I was limited in my view and belief of what was possible as a spiritualist, or even what is culturally appropriate, or, you know, insert X, Y, and Z limited belief system here. Um, And so it's just, you know, it's so fascinating, because I feel like sometimes we get lured into especially oh my god I'm so sorry I have to talk about it this way but it's like there you know I've known some practitioners who get involved in demonic entities based on this glamour and illusion that they will get everything they want um, yeah without like the work that is involved in it and I think Mm -hmm. you know that there's like there's a part of ourself that has been, you know, <laughs> in this body. <laughs> I'm sorry, my dog is asleep and he's sleep growling. So, yeah, I have a cat that, that's kind of staring at me right now. So, I'm also trying to pay attention to the conversation. <laughs> right. Um, you know, they, there's like this part of ourselves that can get exploited. And that part of ourselves is the part that, you know, has dealt with pain or trauma or abuse or disappointment, rejection, etc. And that is what gets exploited by these like entities or these demons, um, or these reptilian frequencies, these negative polarized frequencies, um, to give our power to them, and they will, um, you know, do something with it. Uh, alchemicalize it give us the fame and the desire that we the fame and the money and the riches and the this and the that but like overnight that's kind of how they operate I think and then it you know tapers off and you have to keep feeding them otherwise your success drains or it dies and that is like the opposite of what happens when we're working with our divine spark Um, when we're working with our divine spark and this divine inspired intention it takes a little bit longer, maybe, um, depending on your wealth codes, but it is more fulfilling because we excavate those parts of ourselves that were in pain or frustrated or, you know, insert experience here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. This cat is trying to drink my tea. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is definitely something. It reminds me of Pinocchio when he meets those those sketchy figures and they try to take him on that boat and stuff where he can always go have fun and he doesn't have to work or go to school, remember? Yes. It's been a long time since I've seen Pinocchio, but I do know somewhat what you're talking about. <laughs> this cat is talking to me. She is a Lyran little being and she is like literally here telling me that she wants to go out of the door or something i think i don't know now she's okay again i don't know <laughs> cats babies that's how they operate yeah <laughs> so I mean how do you even wrap up this conversation I don't even know like I feel like we kind of opened Pandora's box like do we leave it open <laughs> yeah what do we say next I feel like this is a topic that we could go on and on about for a long time because it is very multifaceted it has a lot of different layers because we haven't even gone into ancestral stuff yet we haven't gone oh, into past life stuff and and these negatively polarized energies that work through lifetimes with the same people and have soul contracts haven't even gone. We can just do a whole second episode and, and just We're continue. Like part one. Yeah. Part two. Yeah. Part three. Yeah. Soul contracts is actually a really fascinating thing. I'd love to touch on that before we wrap up. But, um, yeah. you know, in short, we can give little teasers here. Yeah, we can go on and on about this. Like in my own experience, for instance, um, that I have had a soul contract with a person that I know had or has a reptilian attachment, and I like it's not. It's very nuanced. Because people tend to look at it like, oh, the bad guys, the good guys, and, and all of that stuff. But I agreed to have a soul contract with this person that has an attachment. Right. And this was a repetition of a past life where something wasn't finished. So we all agreed in this soul contract to continue that same lesson so mm -hmm. that I could now uh, learn the lesson that I didn't learn in that other lifetime so and then of course like yeah. if you would go and look at it in a 3d way you could see it as an abusive relationship a negative experience in your life mm -hmm. but if you would go and ask any person that has gone through a negative experience like that a toxic relationship and they have healed from it, they're all going to say, I would never, I wouldn't change a single thing because I would not be the person that I am today. And I learned so much. And it's thanks right. to this soul contract. So these negatively polarized beings, they do serve a purpose in the grand scheme of, of the whole thing. But that right. is something we could keep on going on and on and on about for definitely a whole other episode. <laughs> Well, that's what inspired you to start your podcast, Alchemy of Love, yes? Yeah. yeah, because there are a lot of people that are not aware 
of attachment styles. And that is not the same as an energetic attachment, but I literally mean how they attach to another person in relationship to them, it, whether this right. be romantic, family, father, child, mother, child, even your dog, even your dog. You can even have an anxious attachment to your dog where you right. are clingy to your pet. You don't want to, where you have like separation and anxiety from your right. pet, basically. So, um, and narcissistic behavior, personality disorders, toxic relationships, how a lot of the times there's also an energetic layer to it. And I talk right. about that on the podcast. I also have a webinar, uh, Celestial Understanding of Traumatic Soul Contracts, where I went into all that stuff. That's also on my website. So I, yeah, I, I do like talking about it because it's the topic that I unfortunately, but not really unfortunately, have a lot of experience with. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how I ended up here in this space as well, because um, I I started a majority of my life in abuse. I was raised by an, a very abusive mother. Um, I mean, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and I hid it from everyone for a long time until I couldn't anymore. But then I started getting into abuse in my romantic relationships, and then that um, evolved into um, my work and my business and getting involved with abusive bosses, and it just kind of spiraled out from there. And that's kind of what sent me down the rabbit hole of also understanding the um, you know, relationship that we carry on a spiritual way to these types of dynamics and that's actually what even started my passion in a way to work with psychic protection and psychic clearing and all of that stuff because I started to realize how deeply intertwined and related these stories and these energies were and it made me just see um you know, how they overlaid and how I was responding to just the thread of, of consciousness, if you will. And once I un unlocked, like, my reason why, uh -uh. the abuse stopped and the relationship to uh -uh. abusers dissolved. Uh -uh. And it just went from there. Mm hmm Yeah. <laughs> it's once you've learned the lesson. Then right. the contract is over, basically. Right. Um, it's so fascinating because I wonder, just like on a collective level, uh, what kind of contracts we have, like active as a collective consciousness, just because it feels so rampant that abuse exists in our life. Um, and of course, like I talked about the satanic abuse that happens in hospitals, but like what is happening on a cosmic level to awaken the hearts and minds of the collective consciousness? I And of course, this might not have any answer. It's just kind of the questions that I've had running around my mind. Yeah. What I see <laughs> in people's Akashic records is that a lot of them are healing ancient galactic war karma. 
right. from the mm -hmm. Lyran and Orion Wars, where a lot of them mm -hmm. were taken into slavery to other stars. Right. That's what I was thinking. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of that stuff. And Atlantean karma, Lemurian karma from being taken prisoners, um, and, right. and all those things, and abuse in those lifetimes. And a lot of that is being healed right now. But then they have to choose to liberate ah. themselves from this energy in this lifetime. And that is the contract. Oh. That is like the highest timeline that they can choose. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I did do an episode a few years ago while my little one was in my womb on the Orion uh, wars and healing the Orion timeline. Because that definitely is something that I think really impacts our genetic disposition here on this planet is the star knowledge and i guess i'm under the impression that things like star wars is kind of a galactic history um and something that really happened in a way <laughs> are you laughing at him silas is here yes <laughs> he's the little the little tiny galactic warrior He's, mm -hmm. he's nice. The tiny starseed baby. <laughs> yeah, but that is all. The thing is, um, I see a lot of things in the Akashic Records where stuff that really does resemble Star Wars. And a lot mm -hmm. of that is channeled, just like Avatar and many other um, sci-fi yeah, series mm -hmm. and movies and stuff. Since 8. Mm-hmm. Just throw so, yeah. out my favorite ones. <laughs> uh, it's so fascinating because, like, I guess, you know, I guess we're kind of, well, we're all walking around this matrix. And I want to just stop and say that the word matrix is not any negatively informed word. It actually comes from basically the word for the womb. So mm -hmm. we're all in this like energetic overlay where all these mm -hmm. different timelines and, and realities are existing and people with their, uh, you know, personal psychic issues and the entities and the this and the that are all like existing all at one time and informing each other we're all kind of having like this energetic conversation and sometimes we don't even recognize it um sometimes we don't even recognize you know how fleeting it can be to walk past someone who has like uh an attachment going on within them and then feeling instantly drained and yeah. I think it's important that we just even begin to learn how to read our energy, learn how to become aware of what's actually happening um, within our fields at all times. Exactly. Because that's not something that we are taught right. automatically. It's something right. that now we are starting to teach our children. Right. <laughs> Totally. It's so fascinating because I um, I haven't been necessarily dedicated to it, but recently, well, before recently, um, which is, a, I, I'm creating a ritual around bedtime and nap time, which includes smudging, praying, 
um, setting intentions for the nap. And it's something that I wanted to do for a long time, but resisted. You know how it goes, I think. There's like the part of you that's like, no, we're not going to do that. Well, it's come full circle, you know, that I basically have to treat my whole practice as a temple. And if I do not start being prayerful in everything that I'm doing or else... (laughs) Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, I do. I actually um, do. <laughs> so, you know, Silas and I have been practicing this new smudging ritual and, you know, saying our prayers. He's seen me pray the rosary day in and day out and other other forms of stuff like that. And I've been notorious for praying over him silently but now I feel like God is really asking me to start teaching him the prayers that I've been Mm -hmm. using on him and to be more intentional when I reiki him because um believe it or not he is very well versed in everything that's happening and I believe that completely for every child that cannot speak or we think that does not comprehend I know he's comprehending everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's going on and so treating him like that treating him to that belief um and committing to this idea that he knows exactly what's happening is just giving me such a new um a new relationship Yeah, but that is true because Nora, my daughter, for those listening, she was around two years old when I started praying every night with her to Archangel Michael. And she started praying on her own. The moment that she could remember the little prayer that we made together, then she started doing it on her own. And I think that it's important for a child to learn how to work with energy from a very early age. Yes, I totally agree. There's someone here at the door, so I'm going to uh-huh. wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That sounds good. But it was a really good conversation, and we are definitely going to be talking about a lot more stuff. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. I appreciate mm-hmm. you so much for being here, and I'm sorry to cut this short. <laughs> That's fine. We we always talk anyway. We never really stop talking. <laughs> and we will talk again real soon. Yes, of course. If there's any way that you would like people to work with you after this episode, please just drop it here. I didn't hear that last part. You cut off. Oh, so I'm so sorry. I was just saying that if there's any way that you would like to be worked with after this episode, you can go ahead and just let us know here. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. The sound is getting weird. The sound is getting weird. Quality's getting a little weird. Oops. okay yes 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 okay (laughs) yeah um yeah people if you want to um find out how you can work with me or i have a free course 
you can always go check out my website. Uh, it's going to be probably in the description where you can find a free course, a uh, Facebook group, and I have a bunch of interesting videos online. And if you're interested in your Akashic Records or anything else, just reach out. Thank you, Deborah. I appreciate you so much. I will talk and to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.